0: your Bibles—they're uh, they're either on the, w- uh, the shelves. Oh, I can't even use words. The windowsill, and uh, or in front of you. Uh, we're going to be reading from Mark's Gospel. We've just—we uh, started our series in Mark's Gospel last week, and we're starting at verse 21 in chapter one, until the end of the chapter, to so verse 45. Let's listen to our Lord's words to us. And, and they, that's uh, Jesus and four disciples, James and John and Simon and Andrew, and they went into uh, Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, uh, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere, throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came. And took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. These are God's words to us. Well, would you please turn back to Mark uh, chapter one? Now, I don't know about you, but I wonder in uh, life, I can, I can feel a bit of a tension. A tension in, in quite how to live. You know, we, we have gifts and passions and dreams, and yet and yet we know we lack wisdom. I know I'm a sinner. I, I screw things up. It's, it's not just as simple as kind of do what I want because what I want, I, I know, is often a bad thing. You know, we, we hear lots uh, on telly, perhaps, just pursue your dreams. You know, that's what one, I heard one Olympic medalist saying, exactly that. And yet, I, I know there must be more to life than just my life, my fulfillment, my achievements. I know we're part of something bigger, and it, it just kind of pulls me in different directions. Perhaps you, you feel that tension, too. And I wonder if dealing with that comes down to wisdom, to, to knowing more about who we are and what life is like. And, and that comes from listening, doesn't it? It comes from, from picking the right voices, letting them impact us. And here in Mark's uh, gospel, God is going to show us this morning who that right voice to listen to is. He's going to show us how we start, in a sense, to take the right steps forward in this, this life we're living in. Because here we are in the early chapters of Mark's gospel. And if if you remember from last week, David uh, showed us God's people have been waiting and waiting. Okay, And now Mark announces for us the Christ has arrived. If you remember, the prophets declared it. John the Baptist declared it. God the Father himself declared it. uh, And Jesus comes saying, now the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And immediately, we are kind of dragged into the narrative uh, with uh, these four disciples who are called from their boats, Uh, if you remember Simon, Andrew, James, and John. They were called to follow him, and it's it's like we're with them, okay? We're just kind of behind them, looking over their shoulders, watching on to see uh, about Jesus' ministry. And and Mark, he shows us this beginning of Jesus' ministry in two action-packed days, okay? We're in Capernaum. Um, Capernaum is a little village just on the edge of the Sea of Galilee uh, in northern Israel. And it's an ordinary Saturday uh, and Sunday. It's an ordinary it's the Jewish Sabbath and then the day after. Except this time it's anything but ordinary. Okay, There in Capernaum is this little synagogue. Okay, Imagine kind of a small church building. Uh, and most of the community would have been there to hear the scribes teach from the law, the prophets, uh, and the other Jewish writings, the Old Testament. However, this Sunday, J- Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is another small town, a little bit to the southwest of Capernaum, um, just down the road. Uh, this Jesus was invited to speak. He was speaking. And perhaps as, as Jesus took up a position to teach on that that warm, hot day, if you can imagine it, a hot uh, dusty day. There's perhaps a quiet murmur in the room, uh, a baby gurgling in the corner, feet scratching in the dust. And then, and then Jesus began to speak. Now in those days, scribes may have uh, taught a little bit like an academic essay, if you if you know them. You know, Rabbi A says this, and Rabbi B says that, and uh, we know this because Rabbi C says that in their writings. There's a lot of talking about others, but but not Jesus. He taught God's word straight to the people. He taught them, if you notice, on his own authority. Perhaps whatever noise in that room would have just evaporated. Eyes were glued on this this young 30-year-old man sitting at the front. He, he's bringing insight to the scriptures like they'd never heard. He was ex- explaining the glories of God like someone who truly knew him. Hearts were stirred. Minds were open. This was, this was something special. He's got authority, they said. He's like the, the prophets of old. This is powerful preaching going on. You know, rather than uh, being like an ambassador telling people what you know others more important have said, he, he was more like the king himself. He, he's bringing truth directly, powerful preaching. People were amazed. But but in that silence, there's a, there's a bit of a kerfuffle. I don't know, perhaps on the front right, and, and someone shifting about. A man there kind of jumps to his feet and shouts out, "What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth?" If you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now, what is going on? Okay, the, the eyes probably just swung to Jesus. What's he going to say? Holy One of God, what's that about, all about? And, and Jesus, he's he's stern but calm. Be silent and come out of him. The man, the man drops to the floor. Perhaps you you can't quite see properly, but 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 later on you hear that that the man shook and screamed, and then and then he's suddenly fine, completely in his right mind, completely at peace. Now, Now. It's about demons here. That's what's going on here. A a demon is, is, as far as we know from Scripture, some kind of spiritual being uh, uh, created by God, but has rejected God, turned against him and and against his people. And in some way, they they, they can impact people. They can take up residence in someone's life, steering them on a life uh, more and more away from God. Now, some have said this event here is... Uh, isn't about demons it's just some kind of mental or physical health issue now now sure at times in scripture we see some of the symptoms can be similar to to uh, mental or physical health but jesus is clearly dealing with with demons here you know this is different to a kind of a healing of the mind With, with the son of god appearing it seems that the devil and his demons suddenly become more vocal uh, and active, which shouldn't surprise us, and, and Jesus responds to them as personal beings. He commands this, uh, this being. Um, but his his response, Jesus' response is extraordinary, isn't it? Okay, there is, there's no prayer seeking high, the will of a higher power. There's no bargaining. There's no questions for the demon, no. Jesus commands, and the evil flees. Jesus speaks. And evil is silent Jesus sees a human being in great distress caught by evil itself And what does jesus do? He frees him This is extraordinary power in front of us this morning No wonder verse 27. They are all amazed This is power like we've never seen before powerful preaching Power over evil and this display of power just continues Okay, Jesus uh, slips out of the, this bubbling synagogue, perhaps, and, and Simon takes him and the other disciples back to his place, perhaps for lunch. Now, what must have been going through their minds on that little walk back from the synagogue to uh, his house? Excitement, bewilderment. But as they get into uh, the house, Simon finds his mother-in-law is ill with a fever, and he, and he tells Jesus, Now, given what's happened, I just wonder if Simon was thinking... You know what if? What if um, he can do more than we've just seen? And again, Jesus sees this person in pain and distress, a person he knows and and loves before him, and then he reaches out his hand and takes hers. It's a beautiful moment, isn't it? And then he lifts her up, and the illness goes. Okay, imagine it. One moment, you're you're burning hot skin. You're feeling rough inside. You're exhausted. You're sweating. And the next, well, it's it's clear mind, calmed body, healed. So well, she can even just get on and get the food ready straight away. This is awesome power, isn't it? This is not just a power over evil and demons, but this is a power over sickness. And this is no fluke here. That evening, once the Sabbath is over, news spreads like wildfire and people start knocking on the door. You know, perhaps as as Peter opened the door, he looked down the road and just would see a a queue, especially if if there were British people queuing. There'd be be a massive queue in there. You know, mattresses were being carried, people would be limping, um, babies would perhaps be crying, people shouting. And Jesus steps out and begins to heal them one by one. And he casts out demons, any disease, any demon. He does it all. The people go home restored. Now what is going on here? Why is Mark giving us this extraordinary picture of Jesus at the beginning here? It's because he's showing us that Jesus really is the authentic Christ. He's the power-proven king. The power-proven king. Last, Last week we heard that Jesus was the king in name. We heard that he's the Christ. He's the son of God. And here we're seeing the king in action. His teaching is powerful with authority, self-attested and unique. He has the power to drive out evil, the power to take away illness and sickness, all for the good of people. It's amazing, isn't it? All for their healing and benefit, to bring them guidance, to bring them understanding and rest and peace. The wait for the king really was over. The Christ has arrived. He wasn't just talking the talk. He was walking the walk. We We all know people who have the chat but actually, uh, it's a load of rubbish. Uh, one of my kids had a friend who, who came up with the most ridiculous stories uh, at, at school, at dinner table. Um, Dad, did you know my friend is the richest boy in the country? Um, Dad, did you know my friend has his own car? Um, Dad, uh, uh, did you know my friend has one eat, once eaten 20 meals in a day or something? You know, they, they just got more and more ridiculous. And he had the chat, but blatantly couldn't back it up as my, my son began to realize Uh, but not here with Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom has come. The kingdom of God, of God himself has come near, and here we see it. This is power. Here is a power-proven king. 2,000 years ago, this sleepy town of Capernaum, God's king, showed up in an extraordinary place. An extraordinary power. Words were spoken. Lives were changed. You know, Twitter would have been going berserk at this. People would have been running down the streets, grabbing their friends. Quick, come and see this guy. Jesus of Nazareth. The power-proven king. The absolute real deal. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Perhaps this morning you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian very welcome to be with us. Now this, this is the man you need to deal with. Okay, this is the fundamental claim of Mark. God himself came in person, in the person of Jesus Christ and he had power like never before and never again. Now Jesus doesn't want you just to acknowledge that he's amazing. Okay, the crowds did that. He doesn't even want you to say... Just to say he's the king, the demons did that. Now we've got to remember his, his message from, from chapter one, verse 15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. This is about, in a sense, this is about allegiance, allegiance of our hearts. If, if Jesus really is what we read him to be here, then he is worthy of our allegiance, of our, of our lives, our hearts. And it's good. It's good. He is, he is good. He's a powerful king who brings what is good to people. Repent and believe. And those of you who would call yourselves Christians, just remember, this is our Jesus. When you pray, okay, this is the God you're talking to. This is the, the God who you're on your knees before, a God who sees a hurting world, who hates evil and sickness and suffering, and most importantly has the power to do something about it. You know, when you're, you're tempted to despair that your problems, your problems are too big for God, or they're too deep for God, or they're too painful for God, see this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, our King. He is awesome in power. Trust him him. He's the one we need. There is no other. He's the Christ, the power-proven king. Now, some of us may be wondering, well, if Jesus can do this, why doesn't he do it for everyone now? Why doesn't he just drive out evil now, drive out sickness now? Why do people still die? Well, we're going to start to see the answer today in a moment. But it'll but it also be one that emerges over the weeks as we go through Mark's gospel. Remember, we're just only at the beginning. We're just scratching the surface of this gospel. We're only in chapter 1. But don't worry, there is a reason. And it's because he, he didn't come to just heal people briefly. He's not going to do just on the surface, but actually he's going to do a whole scale, a whole renewal of all that's wrong. He's going to go deeper. And here he's just pointing to it. He's just giving us a glimpse of the world that he's going to make. A world without pain and hurt and suffering. He has power to deal with it and he will deal with it. He's the power-proven king. So that's just day one. That was day one of this ministry. What a day. And now in verse 35, we move uh, into day two. And rather than being in a busy, dusty town, we're in a desolate place. It's uh, It's quiet. Perhaps just the murmur of one man on his knees, praying, speaking to his heavenly Father. Now Jesus uh, praying is only mentioned a couple of times in Mark's gospel, so why now? Why here? I assume it's not the only day he did it. Well, I think it's because Jesus at this moment is at a crossroads. He's at a big moment in his ministry. He's coming back, in a sense, already to the whole point of his mission. You know, if you, if you have to summarize why Jesus came from this first chapter of Mark's gospel, what would it be? Because what we've seen uh, so far, we could think he, he, this is why he's come, to make people better, to heal them, to, to get rid of sickness, to drive out evil. Well, well, if so, will Jesus just carry on doing what happened at the end of yesterday? The crowds come and he just heals them all. Will he just keep healing the people? Will he just be a really good doctor in a sense? fixing what is broken is that going to be the focus of his ministry i think that's why he's praying he's seeking god his father about it this is serious business he knows there's a temptation here because what does he say he's come to do verse 38 and he said to them let us go on to the next towns that i may preach there also for that is what i came for you know after praying he's convinced of what his focus should be preaching declaring proclaiming god's news you know what after after all that amazing show of power yesterday jesus just wants to head off and talk he wants to speak to people about the gospel I mean, feel the surprise. This is a, a, a shocker. Any celebrity manager would kind of be eating their hat. It'd be like, the way to get your name out there, Jesus, is to carry on with this healing. You know, let's do the preaching later on once you've got the, the success. Stay with the exciting stuff. But no, he's come here to preach. He's the power-proven king who's the preaching king. He's the preaching king. This is at the heart of his ministry. This is his prophetic task. The anointed king is actually also the anointed prophet. He's come to point to, to declare, to, to reveal salvation itself, to tell people how to be fully saved, restored to God and to this world. Something, it has to happen in our heads and our hearts, not just in our bodies. We saw that in verse 15, this summary of Jesus' preaching. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. There needs to be repentance and belief in people's lives. And that comes through a message from Jesus. Okay, healed bodies will still die. Demon-free lives still do what is wrong. Okay, in a sense, they're, they're, they're like giving paracetamol for someone with cancer. It's good. It takes away the pain, but but it doesn't deal with what underlies it. Jesus has come to deal with things on a deeper level. And we need to know about it. And it's important to say that this isn't some dinner party event kind of lecture circuit that celebrities do when they've run out of other things to do. He's not in it for the money, for the fame, for the prestige. Uh, The next event in Jesus' life shows this. Okay, A leper comes to Jesus. Uh, a leper now uh, as you may have noticed from the footnote we're not exactly sure what skin disease he actually had but whatever it was it had massive impacts on him according to old testament law a leper was actually banished from the city he had to stay away from people and he had to announce from a distance that he was unclean you know someone would be coming from a distance he'd be going i'm unclean i'm unclean stay away Uh, He was excluded and ostracized. He could not touch anyone. In a sense, it's like a perpetual lockdown for him. Okay, there's no handshakes. There's not even an elbow bump. Okay, certainly not a hug or an embrace. Just imagine the loneliness. And yet, verse 41, we get this beautiful moment. Moved with pity, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and he was made clean he stretched out his hand and touched him imagine imagine for that leper he asks Jesus if Jesus is willing not only does he hear that Jesus is willing he literally feels the touch of Jesus's willingness you know the hand perhaps on his shoulder or on his diseased hands a touch he, he perhaps hadn't felt in years He knew deep in his bones Jesus' willingness, Jesus' pity, Jesus' love for him. Jesus isn't in the business of preaching to gain a crowd. This is a a man filled with compassion for people in pain. You know, the the moment he's literally just said he's going to focus on preaching and then a man comes to him desperate. Now, Jesus doesn't put bodyguards in front of him. He doesn't have a a PA to to managing speaking schedule, so he he doesn't have to interact with anyone. No, he's moved with pity and heals this man. Now, he's still wanting to get somewhere to preach. He's still the preaching king. That's why he tells the leper, do you notice, to be quiet. He knew that if more people came for healing, it'd be much harder to preach. And that's exactly what happens, verse 45. Jesus couldn't enter the towns, but he is moved with pity and he acts. Jesus has great love for people. That's why he's come to preach. That's why he's come to proclaim the good news. that The time is fulfilled. God's Christ has come. He's here. This is a message people need to hear more than having their bones fixed. Uh, more than their paralysis fixed. More than their terminal illness healed. Jesus, Jesus decided the world needs to hear they can be saved more than getting rid of sickness. Okay, to put it in today's terms, hearing about Jesus is more important than stopping everyone from getting COVID. Now that doesn't mean we aren't loving and careful, you know, that's why we're uh, sitting one meter away, we have our masks on, but in the end, Jesus is saying the gospel, the good news must be proclaimed, because Jesus is the preaching king. That's why this whole passage actually has been about Jesus and his words. Verse 21, Jesus right from the start is teaching. Verse 22, people are amazed at what he's teaching, because it's got authority. Verse 25, Jesus spoke to this uh, demon. Verse 27, the crowd are amazed at his new teaching. Verse 39, Jesus goes about all of Galilee preaching, declaring the kingdom of God. That's why he's come. He's the power-proven king, which means he has an authoritative message for us. This is the king's speech. This is the directive for the world. He's got a message he wants us to hear. He's, he's got a way of salvation he wants you to know. He's the power-proven king who's the loving, preaching king. Are you listening? Are you listening to him? Have you, have you come to church this Sunday to let Jesus' words shape you, teach you, lead you? Because here at church, Jesus Christ is speaking through his words, through his scriptures. He's the prophet of God. He speaks with authority to you. Are you listening? Are his words more important than any other words? Now, we hear so many different messages in our world, don't we? In our schools, in our social media, in our films, news outlets. And let's be honest, they are religious words. They're religious messages. Be who you are. Trust in yourself, follow your dreams. No one has the right to tell you you, you what to be or what to do. And these messages, they come at us again and again. But whose voice are we going to listen to? Jesus, the power-proven king, the one who's come to speak to you, or the world's message? Now, working out, if that's true of us, takes discernment, doesn't it? It takes a bit of reflection, help from others. We, We have blind spots. We have ways of seeing things that we don't realize we have. You know, I suppose one test is, when Jesus says something we don't like, how do we respond? Do we ignore it? Do we switch off and reject it? I know what he says, but what do we seek to obey? Of course, falteringly, failingly, but do we seek to believe it and to obey? And let's be honest, listening to his word isn't plain sailing, is it? been a christian for any time you know that it brings challenges and rebukes it can turn our world upside down it doesn't just mollycoddle us and tell us how great we are as it says elsewhere in the bible it's like a sharp sword that cuts in but if he's the power proven king then his word comes with authority it comes with love it's for our good it's for our salvation deeper transformation are you listening what are his words more important perhaps than other pressing issues? Does being at church perhaps today, did it happen kind of by accident? Or, or do you read your Bible at home only when you happen to have a spare moment? Does your family worship only happen on the odd week? For Jesus, this was more important than healing. Yet, yet for me, it, it can kind of come below sleep and Twitter and anything else going on. Now I'm not saying we should be reading our Bible for hours every day. I'm saying we need to be intentional. Intentional about listening to God's words. Jesus had to be intentional, didn't he here, to, to be in the right place to preach. You know, put, put it in your diary. Get someone to give you a lift to church. Take Facebook off your phone. Set an alarm five minutes earlier. Whatever it takes to listen to Jesus when all the world seems to be crowding in or going wrong around you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He came to speak to you. Don't let guilt or fear or distraction stop you. He's the loving, preaching king. Are you listening? And for those of us in any form of ministry now or in the future, knowing this about Jesus means we never, we must never aim to teach our view, our viewpoint. I mustn't want people to know what Will's view of the world is. No, it's about giving people Jesus, Jesus and his word. We teach the Bible. Those disciples following him weren't told right from the start go off and tell people whatever you like. No, they were there at this beginning hearing Jesus' message. He was the one who had come to preach. He's the king and the prophet of God. We give them, give people him. So to finish, we we started with that issue of different messages we hear and the, the tension it brings. And through these these two days, two days back in this tiny place called Capernaum, God has shown us the way forward by, by, by taking us to Jesus, the authentic authoritative Jesus. And it's It's only as we put our lives in the context of what he says do things start to sit properly. He starts to take the position of king and his words start to shape us and lead us. That's when it starts to make sense, doesn't it? The power-proving king, the loving, preaching king. Are we listening? Amen.